many people I run into actually know the memories. Yes, I was abused, I remember it, this happened to me, etc., etc. And they almost shout this abuse proudly to people around them as like, hey, woe is me, or look at me, or I need it. So, okay, well, if you're comfortable living with that, know that. But also know that if you really want to heal from it, it's going to be painful, but it's very magical. I don't know how to say it other than it's off the charts awful, but it's off the charts amazing. And you literally can get that. You literally can release that out of your body. Hello and welcome to Overcoming Anxiety with Dawn Morgan. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening wherever you are. Today, my guest is Jimmy Toro. Jimmy is an American contemporary artist, composer, music producer, and author of his new book, Heal. His journey through the horrors of extreme childhood abuse to the painful yet magical healing process. And he is, he is also the founder of Rescue 11, a nonprofit whose mission is to protect our children from awful child abusers. Welcome, Jimmy. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. I appreciate the platform talking about this. It matters, means a lot yeah, to me. Absolutely. It's a really difficult subject. And, and before we begin, because it's such a difficult and challenging topic, I just want to put a warning out there for anyone who may be triggered by our chat today. Please make sure you're listening in a safe environment with support if appropriate. So, Jimmy, my podcast is all about anxiety and I have a lot of guests on my show and it's a real privilege to hear people's stories and and anxiety experiences range from just mild, normal, everyday things that sort of start getting in the way and right up to the, the most awful type of anxiety. And I suspect yours is going to be more to that end. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to pass over to you to for you to tell us your story. Sure. It's, it, the, the word anxiety is an interesting word in that I don't know, but I believe most people can relate to that word. You know, if you think about many of the things that humans do not agree on, like politics, religion, etc. Yes. Um, I think we can all agree on the idea of pain. Yeah. And anxiety, for the most part, seems to be some sort of painful experience, an unwelcome experience. And then as you alluded to in your comment, you know, if anxiety gets worse or is off the charts awful, many people refer to it as trauma. Mm -hmm. And uh, trauma is also an interesting word. And then you have depression, which kind of, you know, this kind of all starts to relate in some manner. Um, so if, if we think about the word trauma and then we think about the idea of child abuse, we, mm -hmm. we can start by going there. Trauma, I would say, is not so much what happened to you. It's it's the wound that it left. Yes. If you will. And often, and many people, even, you, I don't know this, but you, you could even argue that anxiety is similar. Mm -hmm. So if you were traumatized, especially awfully, it's possible you have this wound that has not been healed. It's like an open wound, if you will. If you imagine cutting your arm and every day you go in and aggravate it and aggravate it every day and it never heals. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at trauma, if it's unhealed. Yes. So imagine, if you will, um, classic case of abuse where, let's say, a father gets angry in a home and beats his little child. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's child abuse. But imagine if that father raped his child. 
Mm. Well, that's worse. Yeah. So there are there are worse levels of child abuse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine if that father, um, to make it worse, let's say, imagine if that father raped his child and enjoyed it. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily out of anger. Now you get into the realm of these awful child abusers who do the worst things to children. And I would call them sadists, sadists, you know, because a sadist is somebody who enjoys inflicting pain on another, simply put. Well, these sadists are the worst because they inflict their pain on the defenseless, the little Mm -hmm. children. And they're the ultimate cowards, in my opinion, because the little children can't fight back like an adult can. Well, these sadists, these awful child abusers, you have... Uh, individuals who who just do this on their own, like like a lone serial killer, if you will. Then these these child abusers often get together in groups, and there are two. There are many groups, but let's say there are two basic kinds of groups that they tend to gravitate towards. One group would be um, if you have a classic brothel owner, and in in that situation, they have clients who come and pay them money typically men and they pay them money and the men get to go into a room and typically have sex with a woman. That's Mm -hmm. a brothel situation. Well, in the realm of hard and extreme child abuse, you have similar types of organizations where instead of a guy coming in to have sex with a girl, a guy, typically men will come in and have sex with a little child. It's just, It gets worse than that. It's even at this point Mm -hmm. in in our conversation, it's it's really hard for me to understand that. You know, it's it's that sort of it's not that I don't know that it goes on, you know, we do know it goes on, but it's it's just one of those areas where i'm i'm thinking you know i how can somebody do that okay right so let's so let's address that yeah so let let me finish let me finish this let's go down this a little bit deeper and then we'll address that is that okay of course yeah absolutely all right so these um in america anyways uh a few years ago this thing called Pizzagate became a popular term in the in the news let's say are you are you familiar with that no no that's not something i've heard so so it 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 came out because uh, i'm sure i'm sure you've heard of jeffrey epstein and that whole bit yes right so it kind of came out about that time and what it is 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 it's this idea that uh, a child abuser would order a child so these creeps, they have preferences. For instance, they may say, I want to have sex with a blonde four-year-old boy with blue eyes, because that's their preference. Or they may say, no, I want to have sex with a six-year-old Asian girl. You know, They have their preferences in these younger ages. Well, Pizzagate came out because the, the, the idea was that um, to hide their activity, these underground organizations, they would call a brothel, which would would masquerade as like a pizza shop on a in a strip mall, mm-hmm. and they would order a pizza. 
well, the the code behind all that was, you know, if they ordered a pepperoni, cheese, olive, onion, pizza, or whatever, that meant, in their world, a young boy, three years old, black hair, you know, whatever whatever their preference was, and they would hide what they're doing because if they if they got busted, you know, the phone records would show, hey, I'm just ordering a pizza. Well, these these brothel types of organizations that deal with little kids. Um, they have their pedophile, if you will, creepy clientele and their clientele have these preferences. Well, not only do they just have sex with little boys and girls, but often they do the most awful things to these kids, torture all the way to murder. And many of these organizations have uh, medical facilities that well, if a kid gets murdered in the process because the person who paid for it wanted to do that, well, they can harvest their organs and sell them on the black market. And this stuff exists more than most people know all around the world. All right, now you have a different type of organization of these creeps. And it's more like the religious cult organization. So in the realm of child abuse, let's say, there is an acronym called SRA, Sexual Ritualistic Abuse. And it's a, it's a particular brand of abuse, let's say, and it pretty much happens with little kids. Well, that's the type of world I was brought into. Well, these individuals, they get together in groups, cults, religious type of cults. Many of them worship their version of Satan. And, um, well, at the, at the theme of these their little get-togethers, if you will, is the idea of sacrificing children. And that's not a new idea. I mean, if you go back in history, like in the Bible, uh, where the after Moses, the Jews came into their promised land, and, well, they set up a temple, and they had their robes and their rituals, and their, they did their animal sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. Well, when those, if you agree with the Bible, when when those people became wicked, let's say, well, they kept, they kept similar robes and rituals and traditions and whatnot, and instead of sacrificing animals, they turned to sacrificing children. So this has been going on for, you know, who knows how long. Well, this happens today. It happens in our communities. And these creeps band together, and central to their uh, <laughs> tradition is to sacrifice little children. Now, I personally think it's all a front. I think they just do that as sort of an internal or whatever excuse to sacrifice because these creeps, they, the more they can torture a child, the better it is for them. Now, back to your question is, why would an adult do this? Mm -hmm. First of all, if I refer to these types of people, I, I have a hard time calling them human. Okay. They are, they are so far removed from a normal human being. And mm -hmm. they, Okay, so from the from quote from the mouth of a of a child abuser at that level, a little child is no different to me than a ham sandwich. A ham sandwich is an object that satisfies my need for hunger. A little child is an object that satisfies my need to sexually abuse and dominate. It's just it's just so so horrific. It's it's off, it's off the charts. It's, off the chart absolutely i you know it, it's just yeah unbelievable they, but they they exist they exist by the thousands and thousands i mean you go to any major prison system in the world and you'll find a, a section of child abusers and uh another 
quote from a child abuser would be that um, I'm as addicted to abusing little children as I uh, would be if I was addicted to cocaine. Wow. Another, another quote from a child abuser is, I am master manipulator. I manipulate little children. I manipulate adults. I was a father, a brother, a son, and a husband, and nobody knew that I wanted to have sex with that five-year-old little girl. They are really good at hiding what they do. They are as far gone as a serial killer. In my opinion, they are serial killers. Yeah. And, and the other creepy thing about these people to understand is that, so years ago I was reading a book called POW, and it's about the American prisoners of war in Vietnam. Uh -huh. and there's, there's one case where a prisoner was being tortured. And the torturer stuck his finger in his eye and turned his finger around. Oh. Which is oh. awful, right? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. They did worse tortures than that. But what, what's interesting about this particular torture is that when the torturer was doing that to the, to the military guy who was captured, the military guy noticed that he was sexually aroused while he was doing it. Now, these creeps they not only do they do this horrific stuff to these little kids, but they are sexually aroused in the process, which is just off the charts, unimaginable. It is. So how do you, I mean, you've obviously got involved with this because of your story. Yeah. And how do you experience that and then heal from it? <laughs> well, um, they, they, okay. So, if I was to tell my story from start to finish, it would go from that darkness that we just talked about uh -huh. through the process of uh, figuring it out and then through the process of healing. So it'd go from, it would go from very dark to very light. Uh -huh. And if you want to, if you want, we can jump to the healing right away or we can kind of continue where we were. Yeah, continue. Absolutely. Continue. I do want to get to the healing. Otherwise, this conversation is just um, very depressing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it does get much better. So okay. for people who are listening, the healing is magical and it is absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So um, think about this, too. Uh, if you are a little kid and you're being abused, especially horribly abused, there's one thing you want over anything else, and that is safety. Mm -hmm. uh, you could say protection, but you want to be, you want safety where there was none, where you were getting abused. Well, if, let's say, another, okay, so another fact to keep in mind is that most kids who are abused, like 95%, some high number, are abused by somebody they know. Yes, I've, I've heard those statistics before, yes. Yeah, it's 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 a parent it's a sibling it's an uncle it's a it's a family friend who etc well let's say uh, an uncle abuses a little uh, five-year-old little girl rapes her whatever awful abuse if that little girl has an opportunity right on the heels of that abuse to go to a loving mom or grandparent or somebody to find that safety um, they literally can heal from that trauma they can release it it can get out of their system if they find that safety and they have that love to do that but if that little kid is gets abused and does not find that safety 
or often is the case their caregivers, even their parents are the abusers, as was in my case, that trauma will be stored in that little kid's body. It'll mm. literally be stored and suppressed. It will not be released. And if that kid, in my case, it, it started when I was about age three, two and a half, three, and it ended when I was about eight, which is not uncommon, by the way, for little boys. Mm-hmm. So about six years, uh, I was awfully, I was abused in, in a sexual ris- ritualistic environment um, for about six years, hundreds and hundreds of them. And so in my case, um, I had nobody to go to. And so yeah. I, I literally suppressed all those episodes in my body. And that's what the body does. It literally will store them. Well, it doesn't just store the memory. It literally stores everything. It stores the fear, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the memory, yes. And when somebody's traumatized, your body goes into a panic mode, a fight Mm. or flight or freeze mode, right? And what happens is these hormones come rushing into your system and it it pushes the blood out of your uh, torso, let's say, into your legs and arms so that you can fight or flight. Yes. And often, often you, you freeze. and Well, that's harmful to the system. Yeah. Especially if it happens over and over and over. Well, when these memories, these suppressed memories come back in adulthood, which you, which you often hear in a classic uh, PTSD case. Yes. Well, in the child abuse realm, there's C, PTSD, just yeah. C, child. When those memories come tumbling back, which they can be, for men, for instance, it is not uncommon for uh, these memories to come tumbling back in your early 50s. Okay. You, for women, it's often earlier. And so these suppressed memories literally can and will be stored in the body. And when they come back, it's not just the memory. When they come back, it's all of it. It's, it's the, the full feeling. It's a full yeah. reaction. Yeah. And it's the body re releases all those hormones and you literally go into a hardcore panic mode. Yeah. It is as awful as, as when it happened to you as a child. So that, that, that was um, the case with me. And, and so these organizations, although they do exist on the higher level, let's say the Jeffrey Epstein's, you know, the wealthy of the world. Yeah. They participate in this. And th- those are those stories that make the news because it involves a, a known politician or a, Hollywood actor, or actress, or et cetera, et cetera. So they get the news. Well, these same organizations also exist in our communities. Yeah. You can be living in a, in a little 40,000 population community, and more than likely, you're going to find these types of organizations, these brothel types that deal with kids, and they trade and they make money with kids. And, and so... Well, That's a really scary thought, isn't it? It's, it's a really scary thought that that could be in anybody's neighborhood. It is. Now, I can't prove that, this and that. Mm-hmm. But like in America, they have, the, they have a, a national sex registry, sex registered offend list. They have a list of... Yes. They um, do in the UK as well, actually, sex offenders registry. Yeah, yeah that list. Anyways, you can go and look in your own town. Um, I mean, I live in a small town and just in a... In a Several block radius, there's 10 that live here. Wow. And, uh, so per capita in America, anyways, if you, if, if you take 100,000 people, uh, the, the 
the, an average state in America will probably have around 200, 250 uh, registered sex offenders per 100,000 people. Some states, wow. like like the state of Oregon in Montana, I don't know why, the, up, the, the northwest part of the U.S., it's as high as 700 in, per 100,000 people. Now, these are the creeps who've been caught. And yeah, of course. Of course, it, you know, because you... The there's more than ready for those, yeah. Well, these these because these individuals are addicted to what they do. Um, the organizations often kids will age out um, because the clientele wants the younger kids, and so when a, especially when a boy gets around age eight, a boy can often fight back like they couldn't before. And in my case, that was the case. You you, you age out well. If you have an organization where you have these slaves, these kids, and you have a clientele who abuse these kids, uh, well, sometimes the kids are killed. Sometimes they age out. They have to replenish their supply. It's just like any business. They have a product, and the product gets used, and they need new product. So they, this is, this is where this touches people's communities. These creeps wake up every day, and they literally plot and think about and try to steal, abuse, kidnap, whatever, your child. And they're really good at it. They're very good at it. They know how to do it. On, they are very good online. The pandemic did not help because they, a lot of them went to online. And they perfected their craft there. I mean, they will, they will literally um, pay like a 14-year-old boy, let's say, pay him a lot of money to go approach a young girl who's about the, four, 13, 14, and entice that young girl to come over to a house for a party or meet this guy or he has a job or there's a modeling opportunity or whatever. Um, they're very good at what they do. And like a lion who can sit on the sidelines and watch a bunch of wildebeest uh, run by, a lion can easily scope out of all those wildebeest who are the weak ones? Who are the sick ones? Who are the young ones? And they'll attack the, the more vulnerable ones. Yeah. Well, the adults, they know how to do that with children. They're very good at it. Teenagers and whatnot. It's a really frightening thought. I know it happens. I, yeah. I once worked for a residential childcare company um, and there was a lot of girls, especially that were in that organization that had been groomed and they'd been sort of, um, plucked out of those clutches and we're going through um, a healing process. So, you know, I've touched on a little bit of it, not, not in any great, great deal, but I mean, that was upsetting enough, but, but what you're yeah. saying is, is incredible for the yeah. wrong reasons. Yeah. Unfortunately, the girls get the blunt of this mm. by far more girls are abused than guys by far. It's so sad. Um, these, these organizations will, um, if they capture a young girl, even a baby, they will raise that child in their organization. When that young girl becomes 11, 12, 13, can actually have a baby. Well, they'll rape the girl and they'll have a baby. Now they have another child in their organization. Oh, so many, horrible. Many, yeah, many of these young girls are just baby machines to, mm -hmm. to, to satisfy what they do. And, of course, you know, these creeps in their uh, rituals and their abuse, many of them prefer to do their awful things to brand new babies. It just, mm. It's just off the charts horrendous. These people exist in your communities. They do. It's not a matter of 
do they or do they not? They're really good at not getting caught. Mm-hmm. So the, with the charity I started called Rescue 11, you know, the purpose of our charity is to go into communities and raise awareness to this. Yeah. Set up, we set up adult clubs. Um, often there are retirees and senior citizens who have a lot of time on their hands and need purpose. And, uh, and then we set up clubs at high schools, high school level for the same reason to reach out to the community and connect with the community and make awareness. Well, often in the case of uh, child abuse within, within homes like this, it, it's often the grandparents who see what's going on and say something. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you might ask, well, and, and the good question is, well, <laughs> how can, uh, abuse be happening to a little child in a home and nobody know about it well it's not i have a i have a friend she was a little girl around age nine she started getting raped because her parents got divorced mom married a new guy the new guy came in and abused her and she ended up telling mom and mom didn't believe her yeah that is i've heard that story far too often as well some of the people i've interviewed on my show have um expressed that yeah that is classic. It happens more than you know. And um, the abuser will threaten kids. The abuser will say, this is our little secret. You know, they, they're very good at not getting caught. And uh, if a little a bit of advice to parents is, you know, if, if you hear of a child or your own child or whatever says anything that remotely could resemble some abuse, believe them. Yeah. The kids don't lie. And a lot of families just want to, you know, look the other way and uh, we don't talk about that kind of stuff and whatever. And poor little kid, you know, these creeps are really clever too. Often, especially the hardcore creeps is though it's especially the creeps where the parents are involved, right? And the parents yeah. have multiple kids. Well, they will pick on one kid often out of a group of siblings because um, if the authorities come in and interview the rest of the siblings and they say, no, this is not happening to me. No, 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 no. Then, Nobody's going to believe the one kid. Yeah, of course. In fact, one form of trauma for little kids is uh, on top of the abuse is is not being heard. They could be so pained and be wanting somebody in this family unit they're in. They just want to scream out. It's like, hey, this bad stuff is happening to me. Nobody believes. Nobody hears. Nobody listens. Heartbreaking. Yeah. What do you do with that as a little kid? Well, you bottle it up. Yeah, of course. You There's nothing else you can do. No, there's nothing else you can do. So, yeah, these creeps are everywhere they are in our communities. And, um, you know, don't be blinded to that idea. They are out there. <laughs> They're all over. So in, in, in my case, I, I have lots of stories and I have, I have a lot of awful ones. And then I have some really, uh, really amazing ones, especially when it comes to healing. And mm-hmm. so uh, once, it, if I get too graphic, I apologize. You can cut it out. Okay. Uh, these, keep, keep in mind when I say this stuff is, is, is that, okay, okay. So another, another way to maybe understand why these adults do these to these, to these kids might be this especially in the in the realm of cults and satan worshipers right mm-hmm. okay so these people they worship their satan and their enemy is god if you believe in satan and god and good and bad and all that 
well, these these people do. They believe in God. Well, uh, they uh, conclude that, well, what is the one thing we can do to upset our enemy, God, the most? And their conclusion is, well, what has what does God value more than anything? Little children. They're the most precious things on this earth. Well, the, that is just so messed up, isn't it? Just... Well, but but it sort of makes sense, right? Because if you have a battle between two groups and one group, the Satanists, let's say, want to upset the people who follow God, let's say, well, they're gonna they're gonna target the one thing that means the most to those that follow God, and so if and so they say, well, okay, we are going to abuse horribly the one thing that matters most to God, yeah, a child. okay. As creepy and as off as that is, it actually makes a little bit of sense. So back in uh, in history, like if you go to the, the uh, in history when different groups would sacrifice little children, often their excuse would be, "We are offering to our God the one thing that is most precious to us, a little child." Yeah, and I'm, and I'm thinking, like hell, you are. <laughs> Why don't you step on that sacrifice, sacrificial altar and get, you know, sacrificed? Instead, you're just a, a coward who wants to participate in your own sexual deviancy. That's really what it is. That's really what it comes down to. And, and all these them. these rules, these ideals, they're uh, all made up. They're all constructed. They they are. They, they make up their own rules and their rituals. In my case, okay, so in my case, I grew up in a little town in California. And nobody, and there were several families involved, and the fam and the families were involved in this sexual ritualistic abuse type of organization. And they 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 had their robes, they wore their white white robes, and they would gather. And sometimes it was in the basement of a church, sometimes it was in a at somebody's house that lived out in the country where they could do their thing and not have close neighbors. Uh, sometimes it was in uh, in confined. Uh, spaces like a warehouse where all the doors could be shut and whatever and uh central to their to their rituals was um well they were clever let's put it that way if you study torture throughout history uh you can find a lot of clever torturers mm -hmm. uh we're we're getting bored with just hanging this guy to death we have to like you know draw and quarter him you know get pull his body apart by tying ropes to horses, you know, throughout medieval times, especially you can find yeah. these creeps in the child abuse realm because they get off and because they enjoy the torture. Well, they get clever with it. And so in my, one of my cases, it's, you know, I was me and some other kids, we were probably around age four. We were buried in these coffins. And so it was in the back of this kind of compound house, area and they they were all gathering these adults to to do their they would get in a circle in their robes around this pole and and, and the pole was often used to tie another human to often adults even and they would sacrifice and one time they actually burned this adult and they enjoyed this right well, during one of these uh, get-togethers, they decided in their cleverness that we're going we're going to bury some kids alive because, well, it will um, it will bring out the the horror and the scream from that kids, which we enjoy. They say so. They did that, and 
on this particular time um, in the car to, to make, to get clever with their torturing, let's say they had put these dead adult bodies in the coffins and they cut them from the throat down and they pulled their ribs apart and taken all the uh, in, insides out. And so I get stuffed in this coffin in the cavity of this human body. Oh. And then they shut the lid and then it's lights out. And you can imagine the little kid in there. It's just, it's just horror off the charts. Well, like good torturers that they are, uh, one sign, let's say, of a good torturer is is knowing how far to take an individual before death, and then mm -hmm. stopping the torture. You find that in war often. Yeah. Or once they capture a soldier, they'll torture the poor soldier right up to death and then stop. Well, sometimes their tortures go wrong and they actually kill the subject. Well. <laughs> So imagine a little kid, the, the lights out, the coffin being shut, and you're in this, and you're screaming like you wouldn't believe, and you're banging your fists on the lid of the coffin. And, well, pretty soon, the little kid gets exhausted and gives in to the fact that, well, this is it for me. Well, they know that. And so right at that point, they undo the lid of the coffin. And imagine being in that coffin and then looking up and and seeing adult bodies, adults laughing at you. I I I can't imagine it. I yeah. you know it's it's sort of out of the realms of my imagination. I mean, I can create I can create the picture, and unfortunately, I'm I'm creating too many pictures from um, what you're telling me. But the 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 the, um, the morality of it is so far distance from me or the lack of morality it's just that it it is so incredibly unbelievable yeah well humans are <laughs> humans are good at their evil craft aren't they it's awful yeah and uh so you know that that really messes with a kid's psyche you know when when of course when the, when the adults who supposedly rescue him from him or her from death they're laughing at they're, they're, they're not there to console him and bring safety to that little child. So imagine, if you will, that um, you are an adult driving a bus. And on the bus, you have a bunch of passengers. And these passengers are little used. They're little versions of you. And let's say you were tortured, abused, raped, traumatized, whatever it is, hundreds of times over years. Well, there's going to be hundreds of those little yous on your bus. Mm -hmm. And you're driving around with them, and they are there. And your job, if you will, if you want to heal, is to literally go back to each one and yeah. heal each one, one at a time, at a time, at a time. And, uh, well, one of the challenges of this, of having this abuse suppressed as a little child, which happened to me. I didn't remember any of this until way into adulthood, which mm -hmm. we'll get into. And so when I had to go back and heal all these, I literally had to go back to each one. Well, yeah. one of the challenges as an adult doing that is when you begin the process, you don't know how many there are because you don't remember it. No. There could be five and you could take care of them in a month's time, or there could be hundreds. It could take you a year. And of course, the thing is, your conscious mind doesn't remember them, but your unconscious mind does. 
yeah, it's stored. There, all of that is stored. And the during the process of of when the memories came back for me and the healing process, it was a total of fifteen years. Yeah. And during that process, I studied and studied and studied. I became pretty much an expert on the subject because I studied so much. And of all the books I read and people I talked to, the best one I would recommend is a book called The Body Keeps the Score. By I Parker. have that one. I have it yeah. on my shelf here. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Everything he says in there, uh, in my opinion, having lived through it, is spot on. Mm-hmm. The body literally keeps the story. It's literally stored. They say scientists say it's somewhere in your deep in your brain. And when the memories start coming back, and they can come back completely randomly as an adult, they can just yeah. hit you one day completely out of the blue, which is my case. Or something could trigger them. That's not an uncommon thing, also. But regardless, when they come back, they come back with a vengeance. And they um <laughs> okay, so to continue with my story, let's say. When I was about about 15 years ago, so I was, what, in my early 40s, um, I had the first episode come back to me. Now, when it came back, it was like at 2 in the morning, completely unannounced. I woke up in the most extreme panic I had ever experienced. Mm-hmm. I literally thought I was having a heart attack. I had no idea what was happening to me. My heart was racing off the charts. My whole body was uncontrollably shaking. My breathing was, I could hardly breathe. And I literally felt like death. That's Mm -hmm. the feeling. And I had no idea, first time experiencing this. I had no idea what was happening to me. I couldn't couldn't get out of bed and walk to the door. I had to crawl, find my phone, call 911. Ambulance came, took me to the hospital. and of course, because when the doctors say, well, what, what's the pain? Where is it? In my case, it was all around my heart. Well, so I went through all the tests that they would check for a heart, heart attack. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of that, you know, it's like, well, Jimmy, you are healthy as can be and we find nothing wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, that began a 14 year journey of having these episodes where I had no memories of the child abuse, zero yeah. memory. And yet the physical effects would hit me. And so for 14 years, for about average of, let's say, two to three a week, these episodes would hit me completely random. And they were as awful as I can imagine. Well, during that 14-year period, I went to every doctor I can imagine. I've had every scope down me, up me, brain scans. I just, And then after exhausting all the traditional medical um, diagnosis, I went through a whole barrage of uh, visiting like naturopathic doctors, mm-hmm. healers and this and that. And then I acupuncturists, et cetera, et cetera. And then I went through a barrage of uh, spiritual healers from yeah. all kinds of spiritualities and religions for 14 years. Oh, Yves, not one of them, sadly enough said, Hey, this could be recurring trauma. Not oh, recurring. really? Nobody picked up on that? Zero. Wow. Yeah. Well, after 14 years. So at the beginning of last year, 2022, um, I had another episode like all the rest of these. Kind of got used to them as awful as they were. The first memory came back. Completely random. 
And I thought what I was going through was pretty awful. Um, but when the memories came back, it was off the charts worse. Mm -hmm. um, and it took me, it took me several months to kind of figure out and find the right psychologist. Yeah. Which was, she was amazing. She, she was a psychologist who specialized in sexual ritualistic abuse. Yeah. And I learned a lot from her and I learned a lot from going through the process. So <clears throat> relative to the healing of this, another challenge people have if we're dealing with trauma or some form of anxiety is there, there are a lot of opinions in the professional community about how to heal. Mm -hmm. A lot of opinions from professional psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, counselors, etc. There's a lot of them advocate body work or somatic healing, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, breathing techniques, <clears throat> tapping techniques. Um, there's an EMDR technique, which people don't know. It's it's this it's this idea where a therapist will have their finger go back and forth in front of you. Yeah, it's yeah. I well, I, know, I know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and these can be effective. I'm not saying they are or not effective. Um, like the, the eye movement thing was developed from a psychologist who had a patient who was going back into awful trauma. And they would walk the patient through a hallway. And he noticed that the movement of walking, when you're moving, um, it helped keep that person grounded. So the basic idea in much of this therapy is that you have to go back to that little you that was abused at the moment that awful abuse was happening. And when you go back and visit that, you want to stay grounded. Yeah. Like you're sitting on a couch in your living room and everything's peaceful. And yet mentally I'm going back to this awful hell. Mm -hmm. Well, in my case, that type of therapy, some people call it talk therapy where you're actually talking with somebody and you're going back on that journey. Um, I, literally had to go back okay so so that let's back up a little so when this these episodes hit me and the memories started coming back my job i learned over a period of several months was to name the emotion i was feeling mm -hmm. now the memory it's it's not uncommon to have memory fragments yeah to not remember every little detail from a to z and uh, but what's more important than the memory, even though the memory is important, is you want to go back and you want to name the emotion. What it, what are you feeling that's affecting your adult body body right now? Because what you're feeling is exactly what that little kid was feeling when mm -hmm. that kid was right in the middle of being tortured. Yeah, exactly. And so, OK, so let's say like in that one episode I talked to you about the feeling was. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel scared to death and I feel like I'm suffocating. So you name that feeling and then, and then you go back there. Well, sometimes when I went back there, I could find that little boy fairly immediately. Other times, oh, it was hard to find that little boy. Sometimes it took days. I couldn't, I couldn't find him on day one. I'd have to come back day two and try it again. Well, <clears throat> when I found that little boy, now it's literally adult me as an individual going back and finding little me yeah it's literally like two people but it's you 
and you are literally feeling everything. And while that while the episode is happening to you, all of those hormones, the stress hormones of adrenaline, cortisol, they are pumping through your body. Yeah, and you you are as in pain as that little kid is being tortured. You feel you're feeling the exact same thing, and it is awful, off off the charts, awful. But the magical part is where it comes in is that you go back and find that little guy and it's not your job to necessarily rescue him and provide safety for him. It's more your job as the adult you to help that little boy find safety. Mm-hmm. And then when you're sitting, like in my case, I'm say I'm sitting on my couch in the living room and my body's shaking uncontrollably and it's pain is off the charts. And I'm going back to find that little kid. The one thing that helped me the most was having somebody I could sit there and hold their hand. It could be a complete stranger. Fortunately for me, it wasn't. It was a you know a spouse or a sibling or a friend. Uh, once it was a complete stranger. <laughs> I happened to be in a situation and um, uh, somebody was visiting and my wife had stepped out for a minute. And I asked this complete stranger, can you just sit here? I it can you just sit here and hold my hand? They didn't know what was going on, but it made all the difference in the world. Yeah. Think about it. When that little kid's going through it, what does he want again? He wants safety. So as an adult going through it, if you can have somebody, you can you can just hold their hand, keep you grounded in safety. All right. So you go back to that little child, and you can whisper an idea and in, into their ear of what do you want to do to provide to be safe. And this is where the magic of it all comes in, is that little kid can imagine anything. Yeah. Make believe, magic, whatever you want to call it. Um, so in, in one particular episode, to give you an example, I was in a room adjacent to another room. In the other room, they were screaming, and I knew exactly, because I'd been there, I knew exactly what they were torturing another kid in the other room. And these, these, this female came to grab me and she was going to take me into that other room. It was my turn, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to go. And as she approached me, I vividly remember her face being smiles like, come on, little Jimmy, let's go. And I, and I refused or I fought back a little bit. And that fake smile turned to an evil uh, expression on her face. And anger off the charts, kind of freaky, frenzy anger off the charts. She grabbed me, lift me up, grabbed me by the, just below the shoulders, lift. I was a little four-year-old kid, so she mm-hmm. could do that. And I found that little boy right as she was being, reaching out to grab him. And I whispered in his ear, what do you want to do? And he recognized me as a friendly person. And every time these situations happened. I was surprised at the result. I had no preconceived idea. And that little boy said, I want to please her. I said, do it. He did. She froze like in a block of ice mid grab. And I was able to, he, and and he, he, (laughs) excuse me, he was surprised that it worked and he saw it and he just jumped in my arms and held me like a death, death grip. A little kid would do scared to death. Yeah. I held him and we got out of there and just walked and walked and walked and walked and walked until he felt safe. Now that's magical, but I'm telling you, it works. That particular yeah. episode 
when that kid was able to find safety and resolve it, that particular episode left me. It left my body and my adult body, which was feeling all that pain, completely went calm. Yeah. And I, and I did that hundreds of times over about a year, almost daily. And, uh, well, <clears throat> some some of the rescue once again, it's not me exactly rescuing, it's me helping. It, but it's interesting that the little kid had to exert himself and find safety. Yes. Which was, which I had no idea until I did this a bunch of times. It was fascinating. Yeah. It's very similar actually to a, a method I use that I have used with um, a couple of clients of mine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know. I'm not here saying this works for everybody who has a, a level of trauma or anxiety. I don't know, but I know it works for me. And, uh, and I know it works for many others. Uh, yes. even, even like Dr. Van der Kolk, who we talked about, who has studied this, this process in these patients for like 50 years, you know, he's, he's um, everything I'm telling you fits scientifically to his studies. Yes. Now, what's not- interesting, What's interesting about this is, is, is that many people who are traumatized uh, don't ever heal. They will turn to alcohol, photography, mm-hmm. other forms of addictions to deal with it. And many of them turn, unfortunately, to suicide. Yeah. Many it's a way of people, people turn elsewhere because they, they want to they want to dampen it. And, and one of the key things that book that you're talking about is about you, you've got to, you've got to feel it. You've got to, it's not about hiding it. It's about. Yeah. But okay. So with that thought in mind, um, there is a classic case, unfortunately, where a, a young girl, little girl will get raped. That that happens a lot. And she will grow up and she will date and be attracted to men who abuse her. Yes. It's familiar. It's familiar. So if you if you are an adult dealing with something like similar to this or some form of awful anxiety or depression, often you have two choices. One is I I will live with what's familiar as awful as it is. Yeah. It it, it is a level of pain and suffering in my life. Or mm-hmm. I can choose another road which has more pain and far more suffering. And that is the road of healing. Yes, absolutely. Which one, which one am I going to choose? Most and most people... people will stay with what's familiar. Absolutely. Because they can't visualize what's beyond that level of pain that they know they, they'll go through. It's, it's, or, yeah. or, they, or they've gone there once and it's so awful they yeah. say, I will go back. No, and, absolutely. And you imagine... And to imagine in many cases, uh, well, not only do I have to go back, but I have to go back hundreds of times over a period of a year. Yeah. How fun is that? But that's why, Jimmy, your story is so important to get out there because you've come through and come out the other end. Yes. And- so, so I'll tell you a, um, a more, I'll tell you an awful, another awful one and a, very beautiful one okay so uh, trauma can be rape and torture and blood and all that awful stuff paying off the charts um, trauma can also be not being heard yes trauma can be carrying the weight of all that 
trauma can be witnessing another child dying. Yeah. Well, all right. So in one, whew, in one case, um, similar to the one I told you about the lady grabbing me, these, this had to do with the trauma of sound, which is really fascinating. Um, Cause I, 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 I compose a lot of music and I, mm -hmm. I know how to, have a music studio and I know the intricacies of sound and how to mix sound together and this and that. And, and uh, so when, when this hit me and I'm feeling this awfulness and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Cause that's the first part of going, you name it to tame it as a common mm -hmm. term. You're naming the emotion so that you can go back and tame. It. And I kept coming to me that, that the trauma I'm feeling is sound related. And uh, when I finally went back and this one took a while to find, Find, found that little kid he was in a similar room like that and these male adults were yelling at him now imagine uh, an adult being mad and yelling at a kid imagine an adult being in an absolute evil off the charts frenzy uh, anger exploding beyond belief right in a kid's face that volume that spit coming from the adult into your face because mm -hmm. they're just they're just in a frenzy well, that was the trauma i had to go heal so i did i found the kid and that little boy in a similar way and i i did i did the same thing i said what do you want to do and i had no idea what he wanted to do and he proceeded to reach out and he grabbed the throat of that adult who was in his face and he literally grabbed his vocal cords and ripped it right out of his body and I can wow. see to this day this uh, adult falling to the ground, blood spurting out of his throat because that, that's where his breathing was happening. And about five of these adults he did this to, and the whole scene was absolutely bloody carnage of these dead adults with blood everywhere and their vocal cords ripped out. And the adult me is just in shock that this little guy is doing this. And we were able to get out of there, and when we got out of there and walked and walked and walked and walked, there was no revenge. There was that little that little kid had found safety. You know, I, I've had, yeah. had, had several of those that were really off the charts, awful way to resolve it. But when you're being tortured like that, you want to fight back. It's in you. Yeah. I had another more beautiful one, um, which involved uh, the emotion of sadness. Sadness is an interesting emotion. Because it's not a fun emotion. No. And yet good people experience sadness. Yes, so because when not you... Not equal emotion. To lead a rich life, you need a rich mix of emotions. Well, if you stack a bunch of emotions of bad emotions like anger and revenge and, you know, this kind of thing, well, those are the emotions that bad people participate in. Yes. And then you have the good emotions of forgiveness and love and kindness and whatever on this side. It's like sadness kind of fits somewhere in the, mm -hmm. it's not a fun emotion to participate in. You know, it's not fun when a loved one dies and you're sad. So I went back and I, I took me a, hours to figure out what emotion, and you know, you don't just like, it doesn't just happen. You, you have to struggle with this while you're in extreme, extreme pain. And emotion was like off the charts, heavy sadness. And so mm -hmm. I, I went to find this little guy and, um, I arrived at this scene, like a epic scene of a beautiful valley in these massive mountains. Mm -hmm. And and it and I 
well, I, I was in this state of extreme pain for hours trying to figure this out. And in the distance, I finally saw this little figure walking towards me. Couldn't even tell if it was little me or whatever. And it was a slow walk. And finally, I, I could see that was a little boy. And that was me. And he kept, he walked in his, his whole posture and his whole head was hanging extreme sets. And he was walking in a straight line. And I thought he would be coming to me, but he wasn't. He walked right by me. And I I felt compelled to not interrupt him, just to watch him. And as he passed by me, I could see down the, down the path a little ways was a female figure sitting at the base of the mountain, like a mother or a grandmother figure. Mm-hmm. And it, after a while, I could see where he was headed. So I, I moved my adult body closer to the scene. And as he approached this female figure, she was sitting on the, on the ground in just a comfortable, meditative pose. And I thought he would approach her and they would have a conversation. But that wasn't the case. He walked, he walked right up to her and into her lap and curled up in a fetal position. And, and she held him and that's that's what he needed to release that particular episode really beautiful resolve what you know wasn't the resolve wasn't blood and fighting and so these 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 traumatic episodes the the magical healing process is so magical it's so wonderful you literally go back in time feel all the pain as awful as it is and you rewrite the narrative you mm -hmm. change the story you don't do it the little guy does it you help the little guy do it yeah and that little guy finds the safety he wanted back then and it's it's i i went I remember my last one. My last one was off the charts, the worst, and uh, put me in the hospital. Everything. And, uh, after that, the last one was was the end of end of last year, and um, I have not had one since. And I can talk wow. about this. And I don't. I've literally successfully released all of those out of my system. It's amazing. And the other thing that keep in mind is that. When, they, when these episodes come back, these, this hormonal dump on your body, I, at the beginning of last year when the memories came back, I was still relatively healthy, could run miles. I've always been healthy, eat healthy, exercise, et cetera. At, at, the, at the end of a course of a year of going through hundreds of these almost daily, my body was so shot. Stress, hormones can have a massive effect on your body. Yeah. I, I was so weak, I could hardly walk from one room to another, literally. I remember about two weeks after my very last episode, I thought, okay, this is it. This is this, this. I did the last one. I remember getting down on the floor trying to do a push-up. And I got in position, and I lowered my body, and I just collapsed. And yeah. it wiped me out for two days. And so I've had... For the last six months or so, I've had to slowly get my strength back, and um, which has been which is which has been good. Um, uh, just last week, I ran a mile for the first time. Oh wow! I literally, I literally had to learn to walk from one room to another, and then across the house, and then out the door, and stuff. 
you know, slowly to where I could walk further distances and then slightly run. And so the point of all that is, is, is to say that this, these, oh, this trauma coming, these, these wounds that you have to go heal, they have a massive physical, literal, physical, physiological effect on your body. They're very yeah. damn. And it seems, seems to me that actually your, your body essentially told you you had no choice but to work through these because it was going to start it was throwing at them, them at you they came completely random and yeah I, had, I, had, I i could have i don't know why i didn't turn to alcohol or some other addiction i, I didn't and i'm uh -huh. very fortunate that i have plenty of friends who in this community have been through this who became hardcore alcohol alcoholics mm -hmm. Which is unfortunate because now they have to deal with that on top of their trauma. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so where are you now? Well, I'm about six months post the last mm -hmm. episode. I feel so, so, so much better. Yeah, I'm way healthier. I'm getting my health back. Like I said, if you could barely walk from one room to another, and now you can run a mile. Yeah, that's incredible. Oh yeah, I, I feel amazingly good. So on the heels of that, I wrote this book. The first half of the book talks about what we talked about, what trauma yeah. is, how it works, how it's stored in the body, how it's released, the, the magical uh, healing part of it, which is magical. The idea literally of changing the narrative, literally going back and changing your yeah. past. The last half of the book are out of um, hundreds of episodes. I, I wrote about 22 of them. Okay. And some of them are horrible, and some of them are more um, the other forms of trauma that are that are less like I talked to you about not being heard. Yes, you, you know they're equally as traumatic. They just don't involve the blood, the torture, and the pain. No, it's of course, different type of. Uh, and anyway, so I, I chronicle. I tell twenty-two of these stories and how they were healed. Amazing, incredible, and yeah. so. How can people get in, in touch with you? My website is Jimmy Toros, J-I-M-M-I-T-O-R-O.com. And I have my contact there. And the, my, the charity I set up is Rescue 11, so rescue11.org. You can reach out to us there. If, if you want to um, set up a club or a group in your community, to help raise awareness to these predators who are waking up every day plotting to steal, hurt, abuse your children. And they yeah. Um, that is our purpose. Is it, Our purpose is not to necessarily shout this on the, the, the international news or this or that. You know, some people have that purpose. Ours is to go into communities, to raise awareness at a community level within a community that these dangers are right in your community and they are, it is a war. They are after your kids. Yeah. You got to fight back. Incredibly scary thought. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know the number, but I, my guess is hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of kids are being abused and trafficked and whatnot. Now traffic, you know, yeah, they can be abused in Honduras and trafficked into the U S for consumption, let's say, but, uh, trafficking can go right in your community. You can be trafficked from one uh, abuser in your community across town to another. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things, um, I mean, it's, it's been, I want to say it's been amazing listening to you, and it has because it's, it's, it's a story that, you know, really does need to be told, 
even though it's not particularly well it's off the scale not nice um it's um incredibly emotional and horrific and i you know i'm sort of lost for words as to what what to say but one of the things i always ask my guests who who come on to um my show is you know if there's three things that you could say to people who perhaps are in this situation that they have these this style of trauma what would be three things that you would um say to them to help them whether to start or continue their journey many people i i talk to adults are are you asking about more adults yes adults or as you said you know most of these things you know they're buried and then they they turn up and and at that point people yeah. need to deal with it yeah yeah well it's 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 i would say that it's very common in the medical industry that uh most modern medicine do they do not understand trauma at all no and and they and they don't know how to diagnose it or or, or suggest that that could be the, the possible problem to your physical defects that are happening to you yeah if you just take it down to a level of stress we i think most people would agree that too much stress in your life can affect you physically mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it literally can, it can make you sick and can weaken your immune system etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and so i would suggest that anybody who who is going through a level of anxiety um, or even there's a hint that something's off in their life well, they can read my book, number one, and they would, they would learn a whole lot about this. They could read Dr. Vanderkolk's book and learn a whole lot yes. about this. And they could bypass a lot of the um, stuff out there that uh, I don't actually agree with. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a healing therapy that is, is around drama or acting as you get on stage and you act out what happened to you. Fine, that might work for some people. I don't, but personally, I, I think it's kind of silly. And so there, there are a lot of there. Are, unfortunately, there are a lot of adults who paid a lot of money to a lot of therapists and still haven't healed. You find yes. that all the time. And so my suggestion to people is is like, okay, well, um, <laughs> you can face your memories head on, and you can heal from them in a magical way but it's going to not be easy. It's going to be very painful, but you can do it. And another thing I would suggest to adults is examine why you're so comfortable living with this. Many people I run into actually know the memories. Yes, I was abused. I remember it. This happened to me, et cetera, et cetera. And they almost shout this abuse proudly to people around them as like, hey, woe is me or look at me or I need. So, okay, well, if you're comfortable living with that, um, know that but also know that if you really want to heal from it it's going to be painful but it's very magical i don't know how to say it other than it's off the charts awful but it's off the charts amazing and you literally can get that you literally can release that out of your body yeah you can and it but it's going to be painful okay so it's kind of like this idea like okay if you take a classic story through history that has been told through centuries and centuries. It's a classic story of of the knight who goes out to rescue the princess who was stolen by the dragon. Okay, so when that knight decides that I'm going to go do this hard thing, when he steps outside of the 
castle walls, he leaves the protection and safety of of his family and friends and the army who's protected. He leaves that safety. He goes outside the castle walls and he experiences danger. Yes. He and and not not only that is the da- their danger on the journey to get from outside the castle walls where it's not safe. He has to go contend with this dragon, and he can't just like fool the dragon and sneak when the dragon's asleep. Go steal the princess, and he has to fight the dragon head on mm-hmm. and kill the dragon. He has to kill it. Well, that is that is frightful. If he succeeds in doing that, and it takes a whole lot of courage and bravery, and he and he rescues the princess and brings the princess back to safety, that person has went on their heroic journey. Yes. Short of that, it's not very heroic if he got halfway and, and kind of uh, didn't have the courage and had to turn back. And so which, I is, would, which is what a lot of people do. Oh, yeah, they get the halfway situation. there and they, 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 turn to, they turn back to the safety. Fair enough. It, I yeah. understand. But I would say look at your trauma, if you have it or whatever, as your life's heroic journey and decide yeah. as awful as it Maybe I'm going to face this because um, you can heal. You can release it. And the other suggestion I would say is find a competent psychologist or therapist or whatever. And if you can, if you can, uh, when you go back to these awful episodes, have somebody who you can hold their hand. Yeah. It's having that safe space. Well, they, it, and it's not just you, the adult, who needs that. It's it's when, when you're going back there, you are reliving what the child needs. And yeah. that's what the child needed and didn't get. The child needed a loving hand to hold or arm around them. And so you have to rec- you want to recreate that as an adult because you are. It's the child that's experiencing this and you're re-experiencing it as an adult. So it's the child who wants to hold the hand and feel protected. Yes. So important. So important. Absolutely. Wow. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Jimmy. It's it's an incredible story. And I am so pleased that you are now healed and you found a way of getting through that. And yeah, it's just, just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate you giving a platform to this. So many adults need it. So many kids need, yeah, they really need they really need adults to step up and be their protectors. So I'll leave. I don't know if we're ending here, but I'll leave with one thought for you. Mm-hmm. When that little two-year-old is being abused horribly, or that three-year-old or four-year-old, they don't have a voice. No. They cry out. And so if you want to get involved with what I'm trying to do with the charity and whatnot, um, these little ones need us to be their voice. We we have to fight for them yes they don't have a voice no absolutely and so even if you're just a concerned citizen or or this or that or you feel you've been through it yourself and you want to get involved um contact us help us be that voice help us fight for them they can't do it absolutely I, and- occasionally i've ran into the opportunity to speak among you know among groups and the leader of a group religious organization will will, will say well you know your story's too harsh we don't want you to, to talk to our group and i'm like well who's well who's who's going to be the adult in the room who speaks for these little kids who exactly. this awful harsh stuff is happening to 
Are you going to hide their story just because you don't want to hear it? Yeah, exactly. And and these things need to be, these stories need to be told because unless we tell these stories, we'll never, we'll never stop it. If we it's always will. underground, if it's always sort yeah. of hushed up all the time, yeah. we won't stop them. We won't. And these, are, these, these, these pedophiles, these creeps, they gravitate towards organizations that deal with youth and kids. They will become employees and work for orphanages, as sick as that is. They'll become coaches who teach uh, young kids. They will join religious organizations that have – they gravitate where the kids are. Yeah, yeah. So, well, who's who's going to fight against that? Well, what, what I'll make sure of, Jimmy, is that all your contact details are in the show notes. So if anybody would like to get involved um, to contact yeah. you, then yeah. – all the all the details will be there and um and yeah i wish you wish you well in getting this story out far and wide and getting support and you know doing whatever we can to stop to stop this happening to others yeah i i, I appreciate once again the platform you give I, it, it it i recognize it i acknowledge it it's you, you have an audience and, and this message can get out to more people and hopefully it can prick their conscience and they can say, oh, hey, how can I fight for the, for the little ones who don't have a voice? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, once again, Jimmy, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and hearing your story. And I wish you all the best in your, in your fight, your very noble fight. And, um, and so have a great day and take care. Thank you. Yeah, you too. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. Please follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Whilst you are there, please also comment and review as it helps me and other listeners know what is good and what is not. If you would like to get in touch, feel free to reach out to me via the contact details in my show notes or through Facebook at Finding Freedom Club.